This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, this episode of This Life, Hashtag You Live, is courtesy of True Recovery, Hydrolyte, of course, hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew, and our new sponsor, Select CBD. All right, I want to talk to you about CBD. It's everywhere, right? You hear about it all the time. It's a topic I get asked a lot about. And the bottom line on CBD, although there are way more claims than actual clinical evidence right now, many people are using it, and many people are reporting great results, and that is encouraging. So I want to first define exactly what I'm talking about here. CBD, or cannabidiol, is an extract from hemp. And while you might associate it with marijuana, CBD is the non-intoxicating component of hemp. It's what's responsible perhaps for the calming and relaxing effects that many people experience, not the high. Now about the products, there are a ton on the market. And putting aside the vast array of reported health benefits, it's important to be aware of what you're buying. I was recently introduced to a company called Select CBD, an Oregon-based company that focuses on high-quality ingredients and manufacturing standards, not the hype. CBD-based products are available in a wide range of formulations and flavors, each of which is clearly described so you can make an informed decision without all the promises that, well, sound too good to be true and then usually are. Like I said, the anecdotal reports of CBD are really compelling, and I'm excited to see how things develop as the science catches up with the booming industry. So if you're there and ready to try CBD, I encourage you to check out Select CBD. To learn more, go to drdrew.com slash select. That's my site, of course, drdrew.com slash select, S-E-L-E-C-T. And for a limited time, you can save 25% at checkout just by using the code drdrew, D-R-D-R-E-W. Again, drdrew.com slash select, 25% saving at checkout with code drdrew. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Ford and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Boys and girls, gather around, get the Facebook Live going, get the Instagram Live going, and watch or see or hear another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob. How are you? I'm good now. Good. This, you know, I'm feeling 100% better. All right. Well, we have the distinct pleasure to bring uh, a friend to the program, Jenny Ketchum, who um, I don't even know how to describe you anymore, Jenny. It's You're- the most amazing. <laughs> of the celebrity rehab people, it's the most it's the furthest distance from where she was to where she is now, by far. You know, you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. So, so, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about where you were, Jenny, but you make it talk about where Thanks, you are. And how, you, how you got where you <laughs> it are. It is the furthest journey of any of the 50 people that were well, on there. It, it, it's a great example of what I call full recovery. There, there's people yeah. that... There's people that don't do a behavior or use a drug that they're trying to stop using, that they have trouble stopping, and there are people that transform. 
and become something that they didn't know they could be or had never contemplated being their full self emerged in the process of recovery and they fully recover. And that is Jenny Ketchum. But it's a long, boring journey, too, and most people don't want to sign up for that. Well, she people, had to go to school for fucking years. Most people years. are afraid of it, Jenny. Well, let's her talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, hey, guys. Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I think that one of my um, strongest points and one of the greatest challenges that I have had to overcome is that whatever I do, I do it all the way. Uh. And so whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, I will follow that thing through to the end. And uh, it just so happens that the idea that was sparked all those years ago was actually a pretty good fucking idea. So, um, so where, where it started, I was when I was 18, I got into the adult business. Uh, it was a, a, a slow entry process, just nude modeling here, um, some solo video stuff there. And then over the course of eight years, I grew into the business. I mean, I think just like any sort of uh, addiction, you know, you, you build a tolerance for it and your distress oh, tolerance good. for what it is you're doing goes up. And so, you know, I, I became more okay with doing things that I wasn't okay with when I first entered the business. Like when I first entered the business, I said, Oh, I'd never do girl, girl. And then the next thing I did was girl, girl videos. And then I said, I'll never do boy, girl. And then I did boy, girl videos. And I'll never do, you know, group scenes. And then so sure enough, you know, I worked my way uh, fully in. And by the time I signed up for one of your shows, Dr. Drew, that sex rehab, I, one, wasn't in a place where I could even take the idea of rehab seriously. And I was totally using it as a jumping point for my porn career. And then you came in to screw um, with us, as I recall, you had toothpaste to put pictures on the wall and stuff, remember? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I brought I brought a suitcase full of dildos and uh, Henry Miller books that that were confiscated from me, which you know did did speak volumes about the uh, what was her name, the woman who got kicked off because Carrie Ann went ape shit. I forget her name. Who was that? Who anyway, was, who was the original therapist on Sex Rehab, and then Shelley replaced her? Who was it? Uh, not oh the therapist. God. She was one of the um, staff. The staff, yeah. Was it Jenna Menace? No, no, no. It? Somebody oh, we. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that piece. Yeah, yeah. you let Carrie Ann blow up the treatment team. Uh, I forget her name. She was lovely. She, she was lovely. Yeah, but she and put she it, totally knew who Henry Miller was. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, there okay. you go. That's that's something. Yeah, that. you've seen me. But that was another part of now we're going on this journey about celebrity rehab and, and sex mm. rehab is that would have never happened in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, Carrie Ann would just be fucking gone. And the staff yeah. member would have been backed up. Yeah. Right? Well, the staff member laid hands on. That's what the problem was. That's happened before. No, 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 no. You can't do it. Well, it's also was on camera lately. Yeah. Jenny knows. Jenny's a dream of professional now. She knows hands but it, but it was not a he said. On. It was not a he said, she said. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Here it is. Yeah, we're yeah. looking at it. And now we have to do yeah. something. And um, I, boy, I forgot about all that. Yes. Yeah, so keep going, Jenny. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. you brought all this stuff yes. in. So, so went through sex rehab. Uh, and your staff and your treatment team were the first to call me Jenny in a public setting in eight years. And it was so disorienting that a lot of the walls that I had built up around me started to crumble and started to take 
rehab seriously and uh, ended up in sober house and left the adult business and got a real, I mean, I got, it was a great job. I got a, I got a job as a hostess at a restaurant and I started going back to school. And when you went back to school originally, did you have a goal in mind? Was that the beginning of this? I do it all the way stuff. Yeah, it it really was the beginning of this. I do it all the way. I think it was actually, so, you know, VH1 paid for, I think it was three months of aftercare of, of therapy with Drew, uh, or with, I'm sorry, with, with Jill Vermeer and then with Dr. Reef Kareem over at the control center in Denver Hills. And so I went, I went to three months of that knowing that it was covered. And then I just kept showing up to both of those appointments and they just kept seeing me. So they actually saw me for free for, I want to say about three years following. Wow. uh, Yeah. Following the treatment. And it was all the time either. There's a non reality. Mm -mm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that really for me was transformative because I had it in my head, like, look, if these people are going to see me for free, they could make incredible money and use of their time seeing somebody who's paying them. Uh, I'm going to do whatever they say. But she had to realize that. And we're talking about millennials. Yeah. Are you a millennial? No. Right on the cusp. So 83. So, so we were talking in a prior episode about millennials. They just don't have that understanding that this person is seeing me for free. They could be charging somebody $200 an hour. They're investing in me. They don't see it like that. They see it like, oh, you know, I deserve it or whatever. Right. They're doing me a favor. That, that you recognize what those people were doing for you is amazing. Mm-hmm. That's what separates the Jenny Ketchums mm-hmm. from the rest of the world. And and the willingness. Again, she was invested in herself as much as they were. Yeah. Which is remarkable. I, 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 I was. And I think there was something that happened. So when I, when I left rehab, I posted on my blog, Becoming Jenny, that I was leaving porn and that I was done. And I made this really public statement. And for me, when I commit to things publicly, um, you know, I really saw the the people that participated in that blog as people who would hold me accountable to this and, and people who were cheering me on. And so, it, I, I, you know, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And so there was this component where I recognized the, the treatment I was getting for free was invaluable and it would be wasted if I didn't take their suggestions. And then I had this community of people who were holding me accountable and cheering me on and helping me to see light in the darkest of hours. And, um, and so I followed through, I followed through. Well, and, but to be fair, again, again, it's connection, it's other mm-hmm. people, it's relationships. It's also recognizing it's... that. Mm-hmm. I'll give yeah. you an example. Nobody trusted me at all. And I remember I was working at early recovery in life for like 10 years, basically. Reasonably so. But (laughs) but, yeah, (laughs) but when I was working at Millie's for about after about two months, I became the morning opener. I remember Patty Peck, the owner, giving me my copy of the keys to Millie's. And I was like, this is a big fucking deal. I can't blow this. This is so cool of her. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is what millennials don't have that recognition. How do we mm-hmm. help them understand those, those how small important things, those small, small things, things are? Yeah, I know. 
and that there's a responsibility to that, which is what you're describing, Jenny. Like, yeah. my first thought was, oh, now I can steal the petty cash. That was not my first thought. My first thought was, because I was like three months sober, I was like, this is really, this is, and it's also a carrot. Like, I could be treated like this by everybody if I just yeah. stay on this track, right? Yeah. With respect, yeah, yeah, with yeah. self-respect. Bob, I can I can so identify with that because when I started writing on Becoming Jenny and people started taking me seriously for the thoughts that I had and the wisdom and experience that I shared and not necessarily for the bodily parts that I shared or the images of myself that I shared, it was a, it really was a cognitive shift in the way that I was able to view myself and the interactions that were possible for me in the world. Of was, what's possible because you were talking about what is possible yeah. practically seeing what's possible by doing step one, step two, step three. Right. They, and mm-hmm. they don't see those roads. And so, so Jenny, was this, would you say sort of looking back now at your own treatment, was it more sort of CBT esque treatment you were getting or emotionally focused therapy? How would you describe the, the techniques that they were using that worked for you? Yeah, for sure. So, so with Jill, I think the primary therapeutic modality that she was using was psychodynamic, which makes sense because at the time I really needed somebody to help me remodel the way that I experienced and existed in relationships. Right. And, um, right. And so, so, so Jill, I, cause I, I bore witness to some of that. I remember when you did your timeline and things mm, that, 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 mm-hmm. that kind of, presence of people taking you through that was really novel for you I think it it really was yeah. and um you know given that we imprint on big ducks and some of my imprinting was not great um you want to talk Jill about that was... r- real quick some of the stuff that had happened mm-hmm. to you real again we've talked about it before so you can sort of shorthand it if you want but yeah uh you know I'm my when my so I, at nine my dad overdosed and I ended up having to call the ambulance and they came in and picked him up. And then, um, that was one blip. And then, you know, I, I lost my virginity at 12, uh, to an older boy. And that was another blip that really sort of laid the foundation for what my value in life and so what did Jill help you understand about those two events? Wait, wait, what did on, she help there you were, understand? There were, but there were a number of other events, including but your those mom, are events mom. that a lot of kids well, are having these I, I days. I understand, including your mom. I remember the image of you, you know, standing in the window taking care of your brother, I think, and yeah. l- longing for your mom to show up and, and your dad yeah. freaking out a few times and becoming violent. I remember that. And yeah. there, there was a lot of stuff. And yet, and yet, but when wait, you get into the on, dramatic, wait, that's where you lose people, where they say, oh, that hasn't happened to me. No, but that, but what's losing interesting Virginia to... at 12 and your dad overdosing as it, when you're a child, that's happening to millions of children. It, it's true. And But what's interesting to me about Jenny is I, I never had the feeling that you needed trauma therapy, though you might have benefited mm-hmm. from that. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is PTSD. or the, mm-hmm. you, you really were pretty resilient that she, way. Yeah, she needs mm-hmm. to develop her right side of her brain, though. Yeah, that's all yes. left brain. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's yeah. one thing that you were having Jenny there which people don't understand was because of the, the reputation of you. It was like having another sure. counselor there. 
Wait you know, you... when you're dealing with Tom Tom Sizemore and people like that, Jenny was this, this solid person within the group that you could depend on. True, but she hadn't fully looked at her drug addiction yet either. No, totally. But, but but you know what I'm saying? There's just crazy. You know, we had a lot of crazy people on Celebrity Rehab, so it was hard for me to find my helpers within oh, the community oh, and oh, she was that i get you I, right that, so there's a nat there's a thing called being naturally therapeutic yeah or i call it knowing what's up yeah you knew what was up when everyone mm. else in the house didn't including the house manager <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. So- yeah i mean and at the same time i i i recognized that um that it was a serious process but i don't I don't know that I understood the depth to which I may. So, so for example, like I don't like you said PTSD, right? Like I don't think I developed. No, PTSD. I don't think you did either. No, no, I think I think I was really, really lucky yep. and yep. Um, and and super resilient in that way because there have been numerous occasions that could have been caused for you know for developing but, but, PTSD. But right, get, and, and, but and so then you were doing that, you were though. doing traumatic reenactments too, you know, and that can oh, you know, over and over. But, yeah. but nobody <laughs> nobody comes out of a childhood unscathed. So yours is yeah. left brain, don't know how to feel loved, don't know how yeah. to attach and detach. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. things are just as difficult to learn, especially when you're thirty five years old. Those mm-hmm. things are fucking hard to learn. Yep. Knowing mm-hmm. that you suffer anxiety whenever mm-hmm. a male is alone with you, that's pretty mm-hmm. practical. You know yeah. what I mean? The, the, the stuff that people like Jenny or myself or Shelly suffer from when we're all left brain controlled, mm-hmm. no emotion, what you're describing mm-hmm. is like you're acting like it's healthy. It's not, Drew. It takes decades to get over. Oh, I'm not saying it's healthy. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that she did, I was surprised she didn't have PTSD given all she went through yeah. and the traumatic yeah. reactions she engaged in, but she didn't. I didn't really I, usually usually with Jenny's history I'd be thinking, "Oh, I got Shelly doesn't have it either. I don't have it." Shelly's got, yeah. she's got a bit of drug it. addicts just go left brain. Fuck, you know what I mean? Everything is quid pro quo. Well, it's, it's Every- dissociation. Do you think you were dissociated? 100%. Yeah, you're dissociated from but, all that. But your main hurdle, yeah. I you've described in other podcasts with us, is this man in your life to feel loved, feel, well, to yep. feel appreciated, to okay. feel real so, intimacy. So, that's almost impossible for people like all right, us. All right. So, and that's the, you know, I'll remind everyone. <laughs> oh, she laughed. No, I, I know because, <laughs> no, because there's a piece of her story you don't know is that in the middle of one of her scenes once, a guy said, I said, love I you. Love you yeah, and yeah, it yeah, I know that. her out. Yeah, yeah, it was that was really, really problematic because uh, again, that dissociative piece, that ability to compartmentalize my emotional needing self to the degree where it didn't have to be present at all in order for this this let you know this like logical rational brain to function. I need this and I need this and I need this in order to survive. And then when this idea of love was presented and tied to this physical intimacy that I did professionally, like I was professionally physically intimate with people. And then to introduce the idea that there was more behind that or that there could have been more behind it. What did you do? Punch him? (laughs) Oh, I started crying. I I, I like started crying on camera and then I had to like leave the scene because it was just, it was just, it was a sock to the gut is what it was. And so um, I, you know, it, it, Definitely wasn't PTSD, but there was such solid boundaries around. Like there was, there was no porousness to me at yeah, all. Yeah. It was just 
this is how I operate. This is the face you're going to see. There was no authenticity, right? Yeah, and yeah. so once once I started to go through the rehab process and once I stopped using drugs and once all my emotions started to turn back on, that all, once I stopped selling sex, I mean, that was another huge component in terms of turning my emotions back on. And and once once those started to turn back on, the, the whole world started to shift and I realized how much more... I could be in this world. But I believe that out there in this opiate crisis, right? So there are estimated 2 million kids like us that, that their parents mm-hmm. OD'd in front of them. Their parents are dead. They mm-hmm. were, they were, had sex with a local boy that when they were mm-hmm. 12 and he, they were 15 or something. There are millions of kids coming up right now into their adulthood mm-hmm. that have our stories. And I believe a lot of them are just left brain, non-emotional, non, no love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think the therapeutic community really understands how to deal with people like you and me, Jenny. I don't think they do. Oh, I disagree. The, the well, love, I, the yeah, love addiction community think... does, but the standard when you're going with your drug addict to drug treatment, I don't think they understand the right brain. Left well, brain I, I would argue thing. you have to have a lot of treatment yourself in order to understand it. Yeah, I think I, I think one of the the treatments Social that can don't. speak to that yeah. is DBT. I think Marsha Linehan really developed some wildly useful stuff for um, people who have been in really invalidating environments uh, and and this idea. So she has this principle of, of wise mind, right? So uh, people who are going through the DBT process normally are operating either just on this like logical, rational mind 100% of the time, or this overly emotional 100% of the time operating in emotion. And this idea of wise mind is to bridge these two together and to really um, bring a a more integrated perspective of the world. And I think what what you're getting at, Bob, and, and perhaps it's related to the drug addiction of parents, perhaps it's related to, um, parents being gone or abandoning kids, whether it's emotional or actually abandoning them, is really this idea of growing up in invalidating environments and uh, not feeling seen or heard and doing what you need to do to either rationalize that or operating on this emotional side where you're, you're putting out so much that it's like, look at me, look at me, see me, hear me. Acknowledge that. That's interesting. And then social media would be the place they would do that. Correct. Jenny. So Jenny starts going to school, and then you have a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I started going back to school uh, to get my bachelor's in psychology, and then I met this really lovely man, and our relationship developed unlike any relationship I've ever had. We didn't have sex right away. We talked on the phone and got to know each other. It was all very organic. Uh, and, and this is before the days of swiping right or left. I don't even know how I would operate in that kind of world. Um, but, I, you know, we started to build a life together. And, you know, fortunately, he had his own past. And we both decided when we got together that, we were going to show up and try and be completely honest and gentle with one another and not ruin each other's lives like we had other uh, ex-boyfriends and girlfriends. So, And now we're married and we have a baby and she has started standing and saying 
all done and it blows my fucking mind. <laughs> all done. All done. You, all done. One of the things that, that uh, people experience when they start having kids is they look at their kids and they go, how the fuck did my parents, what, what were they thinking? They, you can have all yeah. kinds of weird reactions to sometimes you feel forgiveness. Sometimes you feel an yeah. understanding. Sometimes you feel like, Jesus, I know I'm not really pissed. <laughs> no, boy, I don't they know how to... they yeah. did it. I think my, I was raised collaboratively because there's no way it was just one person dealing with me. No way. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Right. It sounds like that's what it happened. It was a collaboration. Yeah. But but here's one that Sydney's two and a half now, my daughter. Here's her thing. So cute, by her, the way. Her thing is this thing. No, 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 not that. And she'll just put her hand up. Like, no, 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 not that. Like whether it's food or like medicine it. or she's been sick and she's had to take this horrible medicine. And then I, mm. I fake take it, and she knows you're faking it. Ooh, and she she's grabs this thing like you're you faking it. <laughs> At least she understands that. That's an important concept. <laughs> really, it faking, really is yeah, faking yeah. taking medicine. The, that your mind works independently of hers, and that you could uh-huh. and that you could you deceive. Could trick her. You can deceive. Yeah, what just, age did they discover that? Uh, Some don't like... ever discover. That. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was in my, I was in my tw- I was twenty six, but I was like, my parents are fallible. Like, oh my god. Yeah, you know what? It's it, to make, suggest that your wife is deep, properly attuned is what that all means. Oh, and, really? And that if she if she's reflecting back on a well, regular Chrissy's basis, well, the type that will really take it just to show that I took it. Uh, I no, fake I'm take not sure it. that's good. That's totally <laughs> that's a different problem. <laughs> that's a different issue. <laughs> so, Clinically so, interesting information. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So I, I'm wondering. <laughs> so, uh, so, I'm going to take a little bit of antibiotic. It's not going to kill you. So as you've gone through this, well, that's true. As you've gone through this transformation and your training and stuff, have there been certain stages you've gone through of sort of insight and understanding, or has it all been just more, you got it, and now it's how can I apply it for other people? No, it, it really has been this sort of stage, uh, a, a, a stage theory of my own development and you know, as as I'm, and I think probably a lot of people experience this in med school, right? Where you're learning about these diseases, and you're like, "Oh shit, I have that! I have yes, that! I have yes, that!" And yes. Of course, you don't. Right? Yes. I think there's actually a a term for it. I it's, it's called it it's right called now. medical student syndrome. Well, perfect. So yeah. <laughs> that is a great term for it. Side <laughs> syndrome. Well, anybody in mental health starts to look at the person I have profiles. And go, well, that's me. I've got that person I have problem. So, no, I'm a narcissist. Me. I projected yeah. on everyone around me. Oh, Bob. <laughs> That's You've done yeah. that too, Jenny. Everybody does it. No, I. I, I went through this period where everyone I met was a borderline. Well, that could be true, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These days. Oh, yeah. Especially, Especially in, around the like, hospital the world. Yeah, around the hospital and stuff. We had a lot of that yep. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. So tell me about the stages. Yeah. So I, I think you know, in in my undergrad, I could see. Um, addiction stuff. Cause I, I learned about that. And so that, that was, that was t- temporarily, it was an appropriate sort of developmental thing because I was early in sobriety and I was figuring out what it meant to be addicted to something and like physiologically what was going on in my head. And, and I think that's the part where I, the point in my life where I really started to become baffled by the fact that I wasn't more cognitively fucked up from all of the things I had done 
the the plasticity brain, of our brains. Brain da- not just, brain no, damage. That's just yeah. genetics. Yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. genetics, right? Well, I, yeah, something about being an addict has it that you can tolerate what you do. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise, you it's amazing. Yeah, no, it's but amazing. some are less tolerant than others. Yeah, it's true. But but generally, the, the, the genetics of addiction carries with it the possibility of surviving the exposure. And I which, which was makes sense. amazed which makes I sense. survived. Yeah. <laughs> which makes sense. And I, and, I, and I happen to have – I don't know if I've ever told you my personal theory. Bob knows it. Which is that, that it's a genetic expression of survival in extremis. In other words, hmm. when you look at populations that go over – that are isolated and then go through mm-hmm. repeated genocidal military assaults, the, mm. the addicts survive. The addicts survive generation after generation. So it's sort of a survivor gene. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I would very much categorize myself as a survivor, and that might be linked to why I didn't develop PTSD yeah. after some of the things that I had been through. Yeah. Um, so or, you, or, or it yeah. might be, I've, I've sometimes thought, maybe your mom was just good enough to mm-hmm. you know, give you something that you could hang on to that, uh, that helped you, a lifeline that helped you not pr- develop this stuff. Yeah, I would get behind that 100%. I mean, listen, like she, she was not this horrible beast. She was an alcoholic, is an alcoholic. She had uh, narcissistic tendencies and sort of, as long as I reflected back to her, the things that made her feel good about herself, we were fine. And it didn't, um, I didn't understand until I started studying psychology and going through my graduate program and the kind of impact that that has on somebody and what it means to not um reflect back whatever uh, but society was society was healthier 20 20 years how old are you 34 35 35 so society was healthier 20 years ago too so maybe yeah so i really believe it was yeah so, they help keep them yeah, glued together. Bit, your mom was doing yeah. a little bit of the right thing. The school was better and yep. more equipped and yep. healthier. I think society yep. was healthier. So even if we were coming from a, a basket case father and a marginally ill mother, somehow yep. enough goodness will filter through. And now we don't have yeah. any of that. Uh, 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 our society is sicker than our families, I think. Or at least as. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But, Jen, it's a couple of things. Um, I went through the same thing with that kind of mother, except she became extremely punitive, punitive during sort of rapprochement. And my yeah. sense was your mom allowed you to move in and out. In fact, maybe too much. <laughs> but she supported yeah. that. So do your least, own thing. So you at least had the capacity. Do your own thing. Well, she could be autonomous. She could move away and not be – mom wouldn't try to destroy her. And mm-hmm. when she'd move out, she just needed her to come back and tell her how good a mom she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it's easy to do via text. You yeah. can do that via text. Uh, that mm-hmm. and then tell the story about you reconnecting with your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the – so my – God, this was 2007 Christmas. My grandfather, my paternal grandfather died. And I went down to visit him when he was in hospice. And <clears> – <throat> He at the time I, I hadn't been speaking to my father, and I hadn't I hadn't been speaking with my dad. I was twenty four that I was twenty four going on twenty five that, and I hadn't been speaking to my father since I was thirteen. Here and there, asking for money and other addicty type of things, but I hadn't been speaking to my dad. And so I went to see my paternal grandfather in hospice, and he said, "You know, my one of my dying wishes is that you reconnect with your dad." And you he know, said like that right out right like that. 
Yep. Yeah. So the Ketchum side of my family they is are just, no bullshit. This family. Yeah. No bullshit. <laughs> yep. It's true. And so that's actually something that is serving me well as a practitioner. What's, so, the, what's the ethnicity uh, of that? Of Jack Ketchum. Uh, so we're, we're Germanic. We're, we're just like Euro white German, 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 I reached out to my dad on New Year's Day and said, you know, I I want to have a relationship with you and I don't know what that looks like or how to do that and he said, well, you just you just call me back. And so that's how that started. Um, Jenny, I'm going to interrupt. We're going to take a little break because there's, there's more of the story. We'll be right back. Well, if you're dealing with addiction, finding treatment is uh, difficult. It's hard to navigate what's out there. The truth is every patient's needs are different and constantly evolving. I've had the pleasure of vetting True Recovery in Orange County. Uh, they realized, of course, that effective care can't be one-size-fits-all because they're reputable and they care about their patients. So, of course, they're going to be highly individualized. They have developed comprehensive range of treatments that can address all the facets of drug and alcohol addiction. And True Recovery's master-level clinicians maintain small caseloads, allowing them to truly personalize their care and get involved on a connected level, which is what the key to recovery is. They offer individualized treatment plans from residential to outpatient. And again, always with the holistic approach and focus on accountability. Mm-hmm. As patients become ready, True Recovery offers assistance with life and coping skills, school and vocational coordination, as well as community reintegration support. We hear this all the time where people get recovery but then don't know how to live. They don't know how to get out into the world. Well, True Recovery helps with that. I've spoken with True Recovery's medical director and was impressed with their range of therapeutic modalities and psychiatric services. This experienced team is well-equipped to manage patients at all levels. To request information on how True Recovery can provide you with your personalized care or for that of one of your family members, go to drdrew.com slash true, T-R-U-E. That is drdrew.com slash true, T-R-U-E. Well, it's hard to believe a year has passed since one of the worst cold and flu seasons on record, but here we are again. So if you happen to catch a bug... uh, One thing every doctor will tell you is stay hydrated. Proper hydration eases a lot of the symptoms of many of these viral illnesses. And sports drinks, water alone, is not the issue. You need to be aggressive. You need something like Hydrolyte, full fluid replacement. Hydrolyte is this oral rehydration product you heard me talking about. It's better than anything out there. It delivers the right balance of sodium, glucose, and water, providing up to four times the electrolytes sports drinks can offer, all with 75% less sugar. So think about that. It's like taking an IV by mouth. But my favorite thing is at the convenience. I'm always on the run, so I use the effervescent tablets. You just drop them in a water bottle or even a glass of water. I literally never leave home without them. No one in my family does, for that matter. And because Hydrolyte is appropriate for all ages, it's perfect for the little snowmen amongst you when they come home from the school, perhaps sniffling. Hydrolyte comes in great flavors, orange berry and lemonade, available in a pre-mixed drink, a powder, or, like I said, those fizzy tablets. I love those. They go everywhere. Come in a little tube. Every package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. Order your supply today at hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. For a limited time, you can save 30%. We use the code at checkout, drdrew18. That's Dr. Drew18. So... Either click through on our banner at drdrew.com or go to hydrolent.com slash drdrew and then use that code drdrew18. And we're back. We are back. Yeah, we're back. And Jenny, and so, yeah, so you, your dad, so, yeah. so all your dad wanted you to do was 
call him back? Did how long did it take you till you did? I called him back. I think two weeks later. It's not too bad. So yeah, not. Did not you think too about it a lot? Like, did you go back and forth? Like, fuck him. I'm not calling him back, or I don't have time, or or I need I need the right state of mind to call him back because I think a lot I've gone through that. A lot of my friends have gone through it. When you have this broken relationship with yeah. a parent, you, yeah. you you just place too much emphasis yeah. on how yeah. to do it right. Rather than yeah. just call him and listen. You know, my therapist said, call her and listen. And yeah. my mom can talk. So that's about <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 it's funny. I hadn't really, I hadn't considered the inside out issue. Um, but I, I think I had been concerned about being in the right mood state to call him See? back or having the right thing to say yeah. when I did call him back. Cause I was still in porn at that time. And, and that's not really a profession that, uh, most dads want for most parents, I would assume want for their kids. But, uh, so that that was complicated, but, um, so I called, I called him back and I kept calling him. And then, uh, so that was beginning of 2009 and then April. So March is when I started talking to your team drew about doing sex rehab. Mm. And I told my dad about it and he was like, okay, so you're going to go on a rehab show and it's going to be good for your career in porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, dad, just, just, yeah, yeah. just follow along here. Let me tell you how this is going to break down. He goes, okay, Jen, we'll touch in after rehab. How's that sound? And I said, that sounds great. He goes, you can call me while you're in there too. If you want, if it's collect, that's fine. I'll pick up. I'm like, okay, dad. And, was, uh, he, was he, sure was enough. part of the fallout in your relationship with him? Mm-hmm. Was it, was it, he let you down as a kid and now what was the relationship like when you went into porn? Did he know right away you were doing it or he didn't know you kept it a secret? Well, so I think, I think that's two different things, right? So the, the fallout with him, I think was influenced in part by his behavior during the divorce, but also by my mom's stuff, my mom. And I don't know how much I've disclosed this, um, but my mom did a lot of work to convince us that my dad was a scary and bad guy. A lot of moms um, are doing that. Too. Yeah. Well, but but then yeah. you're but then she reinforced that one scary memory where you lost it on the car. Remember? Yep. Yep. And and so uh, she, you know she would do things like tell me and my siblings that my dad was trying to kidnap us. Make sure you lock the doors and. Uh, you know, and then when I've we moved to a different, more, so Jenny, you've heard this in private practice. I hear this more than more than ten times. Where yeah. and I'll give you the example. I don't know. Were you on with Jason Davis? No, uh, no. You weren't on with, no. So Jason Davis tells us his dad's a monster. He kidnapped him. He stabbed his mother. He did all these horrible things. I meet the dad, and he's like, "No, no." And you could just feel this genteelness from this dad. Yeah. Yeah. So everything he was telling us, it turns out, was filtered through the mother and the grandfather yep. and all that. And remember? False memories. It was crazy. False memories because, exist. And, and False memories are real. Huh? False yeah. memories exist. There's such a thing as a false memory syndrome. There is. Right. And so, so did you ever have a conversation with your dad about porn? Has he ever mentioned it, like, what he thought nope. of it in a pejorative way? Or he just generally talked about it because he wasn't in my life when i was in it i mean he but i'm talking about 2009 2010 
Well, so I quit April 2009. And but, so, it's, but porn still exists long after you quit. We all know that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we, we talked a little bit about how... About his feelings like, about I, it. I, I mean, he wasn't pleased. You know, he wasn't like, yes. Uh, but he loved me nonetheless. And so it, it wasn't what he wanted for me ever. And he acknowledged, you know, when he found... So when he found out, he found out from one of his coworkers. But exactly what I was going to say. Because I, yeah. you and I know, we know, have a lot of mutual friends. What what people in porn don't realize now with social media and technology, all the coworkers, mm-hmm. once they find out that it's your daughter, it, yeah. it's brutal yeah. what yeah. happens to brutal. the family. Right? Yeah. I thought it was a way of discouraging gals from getting into it. Because, huh. you know, I don't know if you can do that, but... Well, but so Jenny, and then your dad got sick. Yeah. Yeah. This, so he got sick, uh, the, he hadn't been feeling real great. And so last, last year, that was this year, Jenny, this year has been the longest, most full year of my entire life. So this year, uh, the, he wasn't able to come to our baby shower, which we held on my six year sobriety anniversary. So January 21st, six years. Um, and, and he couldn't come cause he said he just wasn't feeling real good and he didn't think he could get on the train. And then the, um, the day after we called him and he said that they had found a mass on his liver and, uh, his gallbladder and he, uh, he was pretty sure it was cancer and I, you know, I, I am a bit of a catastrophist myself. And so I was like, yep, it's cancer. This is it. He's fucking dying. And, um, and sure enough, he, the next week was in the oncology unit and I took family medical leave act from starting the 24th and provided you by the state of Washington school. Okay. No, state of Washington. Uh, by the, yeah, Washington State. It's one of Washington State's laws. There are some good things about liberalism. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not to say I actually got paid for that time. It just means I, I had a job and I came back. Right, which is good <laughs> um, enough. That's good. Yeah, I, I took the job. So, um, so I, I, I took time off and I went down to see him in the oncology unit. And uh, three weeks after the diagnosis of primary liver cancer, he died. And it was actually, he died on February 13th of this year. And then on February 14th, Jeff and I went and spent Valentine's day. Um, And then on February 15th, I had a baby. And so it was a big fucking week. And, uh, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Other than that, yeah. other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the theater? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's when I found out that he was dying. You know, he so he got an attorney, an estate attorney, had her come into the oncology unit. All the kids, my brother and sister, flew up. His family, like his brothers and sisters, flew in. He said, you know, this is what's happening with this. This is where this money's going. You're getting this. He in that week gifted over three hundred and sixty thousand um, dollars. He's like, well, I can't take this money with me, and so then he just started giving gifts, nice. which blew me away. Um, and he, the, uh, the oncologist, came in and said, you know, well, we can we can talk about treatments and what you can do and different options. And my dad said, no, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a hospice house and, and I'm gonna die. And she said, well, you know, I'm 
I can tell you about some options. And he goes, stop talking and tell me what you would do. If you had my diagnosis, what would you do? And she said, nothing. Yeah, and he said, we're good. And well, then and did uh, he, I can't help ask some medical questions. I mean, primary liver cancer is unusual without hepatitis C. Did he have hepatitis C? He didn't, but he had cirrhosis. And from so al- that, from, from but we didn't know that he had cirrhosis because he never went to the doctor. Right. But I, I suspect he knew something was wrong. Yeah. Um, I suspect he knew something was wrong. Mm. Wow. What That's a year. Yeah. We live in. And, and now it's, now let's talk about your job. What are you doing now? Yeah. I mean, because it wasn't a big enough year and I didn't make enough changes this year. I figured, <laughs> I figured why not start a new job? <laughs> Fuck it. So I, I had been working at a primary care clinic as their medical social worker doing like brief interventions and stuff like that. And one of the things I often did was springboard people to mental health professionals that would see them for long-term mental health care. And the, my favorite type of person to work with in that setting uh, was somebody who was highly anxious because as somebody who vibrates a little bit faster than the average person and is highly anxious myself, um, it was, I felt this kind of, you know, like alcoholics working with alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel this sort of kindred um, spirit thing working anyway. So I ended up hooking up with a private group practice. It's a, it's a real small boutique practice called Seattle anxiety. And oh. we are anxiety specialists and we work um, not only with people with anxiety, but with the comorbid diagnoses that go along with anxiety. OCDs and, and phobias. Yep. Dr. Drew could could be the medical director there. No, no, no. no. I could be a patient there. What are you talking about? (laughs) I was going to say that. So so, so, uh, do you do exposure therapy? Yep, yep. So I do exposure and ritual or response prevention. There's a really wonderful organization called the IOCD, International Obsessive Consult, IOCDF, I think they call themselves. Yep, I'm a member, and they're, okay. I'm going to their uh, conference this summer in Austin. Super excited. So I went, it. I spoke, I was the keynote at last year's conference, and I have. Were you? Yeah. And I've got to tell as you. As a patient was, or as no, a doctor? No, I, I, I listen, I fully <laughs> self disclosed. I, I could have been a patient, it's fine. But, 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 um, but it was one of the most extraordinary organizations I've ever been around. Wait till you see this conference. You will not believe your eyes. They are you'll you'll get more involved with them. They are just they are patient focused, uh in in the fullest sense. Like every single thing you can want as a patient they, they attempt to provide. Incred- I love it. Incredible. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited. I'm really excited for the O C D work that do I get to do. Do you walk through with I, yeah. people? Do you walk through their workplace? Do you walk through their going to school or what do you oh yeah we field, do it all. field stuff see that's well, that that's costs the, money well, that's it's another the, thing that costs money that man. i wish we could adopt yeah. our healthcare system mm-hmm. to not have to have these like what you said boutique means yeah. you Expensive. know not covered by hmo yeah. insurance yeah. um you know I, I, and i i know that because i have a boutique rehab, <laughs> right? yeah so so i wish that that this, I, we just need a new healthcare system, Drew. We just need I, listen. A I'm new looking for Buffett and Bezos and all those guys. They're trying to develop right. something. I'm all interested in it. Believe me, that's exciting. You got a great opportunity up there. Um, but I, I cannot, cannot speak enough about the IOCDF. You're going to love that. And um, did you have you have OCD stuff? You did have a little bit of that, didn't you? A little bit. 
Yeah, I have, I have some excoriation stuff. It's, it's more yeah. like somatic related. Well, no, I, you know um, what I remember? You know what I'm flashing on is that you really responded well to the uh, stop and count stuff, and you you would be, oh, you'd be yeah. counting all the time. One two three, one two three, one two three, one two three, one two three. We'd walk by Jane, she'd be like one two three, one two three. That's so funny. I've forgotten about that. I had to. It is a are, good you a doc- are you a doctor now? Are you a doctor? No, no, oh, psychotherapist. Go, go be a doctor. Well, you're an M- MS- two more years. 18 more months, Jenny. MSW. MSW, and yeah. Two more years. I don't know what doctor program you were thinking of. <laughs> no, although USC does have a doctorate in social work program that yeah, I'm considering. That's the one I'm that, talking that about. That social work school is very good. Or, or just get LCSW. Just get a license. Well, I, I yeah, I'm a LSWAIC, so I'm an associate. I have... Just um, maybe like thirty more hours of Do it. Um, Do it. supervision to be independent. So Good. it's, and then it's when, pretty much. Then done. how long until after that you could supervise people? A oh. year? Two years. Two years. So you might as well be a doctor. Come on, I'm challenging yep. you right now. <laughs> we need, we need her to go from from porn star to doctor. <laughs> no, this is. I want yeah. to be. I want her to be fully actualized as who she. Is meant to be. That's all. Whatever letters come after her name are the ones that need to come after her name, right? Yeah, I think once I start wanting to oh, be doctor here you go. for you the t- right reasons, yeah. I will pursue that. As of now, just wanting to be Doctor Jenny because I like the sound of it. Not a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. All right, you can follow Jenny. I got up here is Jenny Ketchum. But do the anxiety clinic again. Seattle anxiety is that, is right? that on there? Mm-hmm. Seattle Twitter anxiety. at Jenny Ketchum, G-E-N-N-I-E. Uh, Instagram at Becoming Jenny, J- again, J-E-N-N-I-E. And uh, you have a website? Yeah, so JennyKetchum.com. Okay. What's this? And uh, if you are in the state of Washington and you're in Seattle, I'd love to see and work with you if you're having anxiety. And if you are in Washington and in a rural area or not able to get to Seattle but needing some anxiety specialist work, uh, we do offer virtual appointments as well. So all about Ooh, that, it being that's accessible. Interesting. There you go. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I, I, I need to hook you up with some of the IOCDF people too because you're going to be astonished. So Please. Yeah, I would I'll, love that. I'll work on that. Cool, cool. Thanks so much. All right, Jenny. Great. To, always just, you know, it's it's the, it's the Jenny Ketchums of the world that get us up the next day. Right. Like it's easy to get up tomorrow after talking to you. So thank you. Thanks, Drew. I, I appreciate your support over these years. And, um, it, it means a lot to me, the door that you opened and that you are always there. Like, I know that I can text you the day after Thanksgiving and you will respond within moments. And that just continues to blow my mind. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks yes. for being you. And Bob, Seattle, thank you Seattle. for living in my old home and just being amazing. <laughs> living in your old home. Yeah. She, I took her apartment. We told that yeah. story. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. I'll just do this so last funny. thing. Dun, dun. The law and order thing. You don't remember that? No. Dun, dun. Drew's got uh-huh. so oh, many things no, in his I, head. No, I remember I remember Jenny's relationship with Law and Order. Okay, so then I had her apartment and I was I had her apartment. I like uh-huh. Law and Order. And then every time it would do the beginning, I would go, Oh my god, Jenny used to masturbate right here in this house. Uh, no, no, no. See, nope, that apartment that apartment was post post addiction oh that was so post law and order yeah, yeah. oh my See? god all that all that weirdness yeah you didn't have to worry about yeah. it <laughs> didn't have to worry all right, about guys. That. plenty <laughs> of other things to worry about <laughs> <laughs>
That was that was Duncan was was Duncan in that building? Yeah, too? he lived in the building okay. too. Yeah. Oh my God, we can right have another episode about that because uh, I moved in uh, after she moved out. All right, next episode, we got to run. Okay, Thanks, next Jenny. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it, Jenny. Bye, right. guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye, 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 bye. All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC 790 Midday Live Talk Radio Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Zing What I Do By Myself, the Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at drdrew.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.